This is Dan from Burlington, Vermont, and now I'm tuned in to the new TNN. Culture Addicts, welcome back to the new TNN podcast, where today you're listening to an episode of Junkman. My name is Johnny C, and uh, here on Junkman, we talk about movies that usually don't get the greatest reception from the populace. We watch them, and we decide, is the movie junk? Or, you know, is it better than you expected? Now, folks, today we have an absolutely doozy of an episode for you. Dare I say this episode will be outstanding. Mm, I don't know if outstanding is enough, though. Uh, This episode could be excellent. I guess when this episode's over, it will be safe to say that you win. Because today we're talking about 2021's Mortal Kombat! Directed by Simon McQuaid. Or McQuaid. I don't know how he says his name. He's Australian, so who knows? Nothing against Australians! As a matter of fact, if you have anything against Australia, you should probably not listen to this episode at all, because holy shit! This uh, movie has Australia stamped all over it, and that's totally fine. I just love when folks try to hide their Australian accents. Uh, but yes... Now, you you might be disheartened right away because we are talking about 2021's Mortal Kombat as opposed to the abso-fucking-loot classic of a film from 1995 that bears the same name. And what, what what, what a movie franchise. What other films have the balls to scream their own title when the studio logo appears? I don't think that's happened very much in film history. But... Whereas the 1995 Cheese Fest classic Mortal Kombat is not going to be discussed today, I'm sure it will come up. So if you've seen it, that will be a big benefit to you. But there are 
so many differences between the 1995 version and the 2021 version. Uh, one of them is, I remember seeing the 1995 version in theaters. I remember seeing the 2021 version debut on HBO Max because of COVID. That makes me sad. But I really did want to see it, and I was super hyped for this one. Of course, I'm a fucking nerdy kid who's like, Oh my God, Mortal Kombat! You know, of course I'm going to go see Mortal Kombat. You're talking to a guy who played a shit ton of Mortal Kombat. You're talking to a guy who could still do Unmasked Sub-Zero 7-hit combo by memory. Is it 7 hits or is it 6? It doesn't matter, but I can still do it. Okay. You're talking about a kid who got a PlayStation and demanded his first game be Mortal Kombat 3. You're talking to the kid who, when he saw the cover of Electronic Gaming Monthly in like 95 or 96 or whatever year it was, and saw that Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3 was going to be unleashed in arcades, and holy shit, they're bringing back Scorpion! I mean, I think that's the day I learned how to masturbate, because I was so excited for Scorpion. So, uh, not to mention... The documents of Mortal Kombat fan fiction that I had, where I invented my own characters, gave them their own weapons and fatalities. Yikes! You wonder why I was a virgin for so long. Anywho, all the jokes aside, uh, I have a lot of respect and love for Mortal. Well, respect. Well, no, I, you know, I like Mortal Kombat. I was around for all the controversy back when it started. Now you kidsters have games rated M for mature, and it's not even a fucking big deal. You know, when Mortal Kombat was first unleashed on home consoles, you know, you could get the Super Nintendo version, which was graphically superior, bar none, but it didn't have any blood. And then you had the Genesis version, less superior graphically, but all you have to do when the Mortal Kombat prologue screen started was press a certain button configuration to make that blood appear. And ladies and gentlemen, I swear to you, Without Googling, in case you need it, here is the Mortal Kombat blood code for Sega Genesis. A-B-A-C-A-B-B. Or N-E-R-D. However you want to slice it, but yeah, that's how bad it is. I'm st- I still have it memorized to this day without any sort of deep recall. A-B-A-C-A-B-B. 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 Oh, God, I'm pathetic. But yes... I'm excited to talk about it. Now, this movie took a little bit of a different approach to Mortal Kombat. We're going to talk about that, but I guess we should probably, as we always do, talk about the cast of folks who we're going to be talking about in this picture. Up first, this film stars Louis Tan as everyone's favorite Mortal Kombat character, Cole Young. Wait, is that correct? Excuse me, may I, can we just take a break for a second? I'm the Mortal Kombat announcer guy, and you want me to say Cole Young, but I've never seen Cole Young in Mortal Kombat before. Is this a new character for a new Mortal Kombat game? You're inventing him for the movie. Oh, are you sure? Do you wish to continue? All right, it's your ass, not mine. Yes, the folks behind 2021's Mortal Kombat decided to give the film a new point-of-view character from, uh, you know, someone who's not in the games. How do they feel about the world of Mortal Kombat? 
Now, Louis Tan, ladies and gentlemen, is traditionally a stuntman, which I have a lot of respect for. Mr. Tan, you should have stayed there. Up next, Jessica McNamee as Sonya Blade. Now, you might know Jessica McNamee from such television programs as The Sirens on the USA Network or her film roles in The Val, Chips, and Battle of the Sexes, but you can't forget the classic film, The Meg. Holy shit, her niece is Tegan Croft from uh, Titans. She plays Raven. Huh. I didn't know that. Wikipedia is a hell of a thing. Is she Australian, though? Yep, she's born in Sydney. Yep, you can tell. <laughs> Accents. Up next, we've got Josh Lawson as Kano. You might know Kano from appearing on the television program Superstore, which I hear kind of sucks. Up next, Mishad Brooks as Jax. You might know Mr. Brooks from Desperate Housewives, Necessary Roughness, playing Jimmy Olsen on Supergirl, or from being in Law and Order. Huh, I didn't know he played Jimmy Olsen on Supergirl. Of course, I don't watch that show because I couldn't be bothered, but that's fine. I think it's Supergirl. Got a lot of respect for Supergirl, just not the CW. I don't know any of these people. Hey, but here's someone I know. Up next, Ludie Lin as Liu Kang. Now, I know Ludie Lin from playing Zack, the Black Power Ranger, in the Power Rangers film. And when I say Black Power Ranger, I don't mean, well, he was the Black Power Ranger. Zack. He wears the black uniform, although he's usually black, uh, as in, you know, his, his, uh, his, his, his background, his ethnicity, point of origin. Uh, but no, no, they just made Zach uh, Asian, which is fine, or a Canadian, Canadian Asian, that's fine. But I remember being like, oh, Zach's not Zach. It's a, that's a Power Rangers thing. But I also know Ludi Lin as Merc from Aquaman the film. Now, Merc in Aquaman the film isn't anything like Merc in the comic, but that's fine. Nobody came for Merc. Are there more people? Yes! Shin Han as Shang Tsung. I'm actually going to save this discussion for this actor until we start talking about the movie, because I enjoy his presence quite a bit. Who's next? Oh! Oh, this is a fun one. Ladies and gentlemen, a man who is Currently undefeated at WrestleMania, Nathan Jones as Rico. You know, Nathan Jones from the WWF slash E. That's fun. Uh, we've got Joe Solemn as Sub-Zero. Um, I don't know, he's in the raid. That's pretty cool. He's also in Star Trek Beyond. That's fine. Even though it's the worst of those new Star Trek films. Haruki Sonata, and I apologize if I mispronounce the names. I really do. I, I'm not trying to be the typical fucking fat white American guy. As Scorpion. Now, this gentleman, uh, from my understanding, is a uh, prolific Japanese actor and martial artist who's appeared in a lot of interesting, unique films. Uh, he does appear in The Last Samurai. Uh, I, I think he's also in something that like just came out. What is he in? Is he in... um? 
Oh, I know he's in Speed Racer. He's in Avengers Endgame 2. Uh, he's the uh, crime boss that Ronan kills. Fuck, what was he in? Oh, he's in John Wick uh, John Wick 4, and he's also in Bullet Train. That's what I was thinking of, though, John Wick 4. I haven't seen John Wick 4 yet, but uh, I want to. Uh, there are other folks in here, but, you know, probably not as important characters to talk about. Oh, finally, rounding out the cast, uh, we've got d- former WCW writer Vince Russo as the voice of Cabal. And I think that sets us up nicely. So, I wanted to talk about sort of the differences between the film in 1995 and the film in 2021. And we'll get into, like, the end, you know, we'll talk about that more when we talk about the movie. But up front, there were a couple of overall choices made for the project that would greatly influence the final film. The first one was that the film was always intended to be an R-rated feature, which is honestly nice. Because in this day and age, it's really hard, or very, I don't know about hard, because it's easy to do it. All you have to do is say, sure, we can do that. But it's very difficult to get an R-rated film into theaters for something of an established property or an adaptation. Because all the studio thinks is, man, how much more money could we make at PG-13? I would argue, are we still doing that as a culture? Are we still not taking our kids to the theater? Are we still, when they're 16 years old and able to drive, not being like, yeah, I don't give a fuck what you do. Just don't do anything. Don't you know? Don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt other people. Are we still, like, as a nation, Are we? do we still give a fuck? I mean, it's important to make sure that you're aware that the kid, your kids can, can understand the thematic content of a film, can, you know, can disassociate reality from, or can associate reality from fiction, whatever the fucking technical term is, and, and be aware and be cognizant of the fact that, uh, you know, what you're watching is fiction. And if you were to stab someone with a fucking hook... It would be very bad for you and them, okay? But I don't know. It was also decided that we were going to take this film seriously. Deadly serious. Like Nolan serious. Mortal Kombat begins, if you will. All right, well, again, uh, to quote my friend, the Mortal Kombat voice announcer guy, it's your ass. I mean, I don't fucking know. Uh, I mean, it's... You know, the 95 film was made in a time... And it's the same thing with superhero films and other genre properties where we didn't really take it seriously. It's like, we're making this Mortal Kombat movie. Keep your fingers crossed. Anybody even knows what we're talking about. See uh, Fighter, Comma Street from 1994 as well. But we're in a golden age of property exploitation which means that studios will make films based on existing content, but there's also sort of a built-in expectation that we will honor the source material and be respectful of it, because if we lose the nerds, we've got no chance, because now studios understand it's the nerds that are there on opening weekend, and they tell all their followers or their fucking people in their sphere of influence, you know, oh, it was pretty good. Like, I'm... Not to sh- overshare, but like I- I'm the type of person in the office where if a big genre film comes out, like Dungeons and Dragons just came out, right? And a guy I work with came up to me, and he's like, "Hey, did you see Dungeons and Dragons?" Now I did not, unfortunately. I- I'm not a big Dungeons and Dragons guy. I've never actually played it, but 
you know, that seems like the type of thing I would gravitate towards. And this guy came up to me and I said, no, I didn't see it. Did you see it? And he said, no, I, I wanted to hear what you thought about it to decide if I was going to go see it. Now, that doesn't make me, like, awesome. I'm just saying that when it comes to, like, nerdy shit or things like that, people sort of rely on the nerds to tell them if it's good or not. Um, so, yeah, I can't give you a recommendation on Dungeons & Dragons Honor Amongst Thieves. I'm very sorry. But... So if you so my whole point being if you dishonor or disassociate the franchise or the property fans, you're fucked. Because we're gonna spread negative word of mouth. Not to be negative or not to spread hate, but just because I'm gonna give you my honest opinion of it. Uh, it was also decided in this movie that since we're gonna take a Christopher Nolan real world esque approach, this movie will not actually feature a Mortal Kombat tournament. It's gonna be more of like a prequel, or God help us, an interquel. Who invented the interquel term? You guys know what an interquel is? It's like a sequel to a property that takes place concurrently with the narrative. So it's like um, if somebody made an interquel to Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope and the movie was all about what uh, the old white guys with the beards were doing on Yavin 4 waiting for Leia to come with the Death Star plans. So it would be a sequel to Rogue One and an interquel to A New Hope. Fuck me sideways. Uh, last thing I want to tell you is that when I saw this movie in 2021 on HBO Max, I fucking hated it. Will I hate it this time? Well, enough of for a prologue. Let's go ahead and jump right into the movie so we can talk about the movie's prologue. Now, before we get into the actual movie prologue where people are on screen... I gotta talk about the logos. Why is this important? It's not, but hear me out. So, in 1995, the original Mortal Kombat, it's real simple. The New Line Cinema logo starts to build on the screen, and the voice yells, Mortal Kombat! The fire, the dragon, and Mortal Kombat, and bing, 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 bang, bing, bang, boom, we're in. Alright? Is it ridiculous and preposterous? A fucking course. But here's what I want to mention about the 2021 logo. It starts with the Warner Brothers logo, which of course owns New Line Cinema, and then it transitions to New Line Cinema. Is this important of a detail? I don't know. But it just, it, it, to me it sets a tone of like, Warner Brothers being like, hey, you know, this this new Mortal Kombat, uh, you know, we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna take Mortal Kombat and we're gonna we're gonna make it uh, unique. We're gonna make it really shine. We're gonna make a prestige Mortal Kombat picture. And I think, uh, as all the shareholders would agree, that we'd like to have Mortal Kombat on the Warner Brothers books. Just just a little line item right here. Yeah, look how successful Mortal Kombat was. You know, it shows me that Warner Brothers is like, hmm. You know, the, the, we might, you know, we're, we're really trying to gussy this thing up and, and, and make a quick buck off of it. And I don't know. It just, that's the whole story. We start in, I don't know if it's feudal Japan, but I'm going to call it feudal Japan just to be fun. Uh, in the 1600s. And we see a man uh, with a sword walking around the compound that he lives on with his wife and his son. And they're just having themselves a Saturday. You know, it's kind of like, oh, things are so peaceful and our lives are so good. As a matter of fact, this gentleman, who I will just go ahead and name, it's Hanzo Hisashi, who will, of course, go on to... You know what? Fuck this. It's Scorpion, okay? This this is the guy that will be Scorpion. 
And he's got his wife and his son, and the wife's carried around their little baby daughter, I think it is. And obviously, things are going to go to shit. We know the score. We've seen the trailers. And even if you have, you can probably guess. Do you know why you can guess that things are about to go to shit? Because the screenplay has the audacity to have uh, Scorpion pause and be like, You know, family, I have I ever told both of you that I love you so much and you're pretty much the most important things to me in my entire life? And haven't we made ourselves a nice little home here away from the rest of Japan? And, and you know what, wife, even though our kids don't know it, you could tell by the way I look at you and talk to you that aren't you so happy we got away from that life of crime I used to lead? You know, we got away and nobody knows who we are. I'm sure glad we joined Feudal Japan Witness Protection. It's just, it's so obvious. He's like, I love you so much. Uh, you know, things are pretty good here in our little lives. But he goes off to get some water, and the, the mom and the kids go inside, and they're like, ooh, it's kind of cold in here, even though we're in feudal Japan. What's up with the coldness? Sure enough, as Hanzo Hisashi goes to get some water from a well, some ninjas, actually, they're not ninjas, uh, I think Scorpion's clan are ninjas. Well, I don't know. You know what? The Lin Kuei show up. The Lin Kuei clan. Why do I know that it's the Lin Kuei? Because, folks, I played an obscene amount of the awful game Mortal Kombat Mythology Sub-Zero. And this is not how the Sub-Zero Scorpion mythology goes down in the video game. Yes, Sub-Zero always kills Scorpion. Scorpion always come, comes back resurrected as a demon of hell. And they fight in Mortal Kombat. Blah, blah, blah. But... I don't know, it's weird, because this movie frames that Scorpion's the good guy, and that's fine, Scorpion gets a lot of love. I am absolutely more of a Sub-Zero guy, but uh, Sub-Zero shows up with his Lin Kuei ninjas. Uh, he's going by the handle Bihan, because that's his name. His name is Bihan. He's not yet Sub-Zero, but I guess he has unlocked his Arcana. Yes, you, you don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, if you've seen the movie, you know, but uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, long story short, Sub-Zero is like, where is Hudzo? And they don't tell him, so he freezes him to death. <laughs> Scorpion comes back to the town, or the town, the little compound, sees some ninjas, kills them, runs inside, and finds his family frozen. Well, except his little baby daughter who was hidden by his wife, but we'll get there. And... and <laughs> you know, he's sad, of course, but he's just like, oh no, my family... And I finally told them that we had peace and things were going so well. How could this have happened? He's, you know, rightfully pissed. He goes into beast mode and starts killing folks with his sword. And that's cool. There's lots of blood. This is rated R, after all. He even, uh, we get the origin of Sub-Zero's hook. You know, he digs, he pulls this thing out of the garden. I guess it's a uh, a ninja tool that I guess he was using to dig up plants, and he ties it to a rope. And you know, he does the scorpion grappling hook. It's it's fun, it's cool. Uh, the guy's absolutely, you know, getting shit done, uh, and I and I like it. It's fine. Bihan or Sub Zero shows up, and they start to talk. And this is, in all seriousness, this is something I really like. When they speak to one another, see, Scorpion is Japanese and Sub-Zero is Chinese. And when they speak, in little parentheses, it identifies if the language is Japanese or Chinese. And I think that's kind of cool because it gives, gives you a little flavor. Like, I, I'm i a fucking, uh, you know, fat Westerner. I, And I mean this with all due respect. I'm not like, uh, man, I can't tell what they talking over there. I'm just saying, I, 
if someone were to speak Chinese to me and then Japanese, I wouldn't. I don't have the uh, ears to pick up the differences. Um, and I'm not trying to be an ignorant American. Like I would love to learn an Eastern language. I think that the learning curve seems very difficult. And uh, you know, when when does one? You know, maybe I should subscribe to some sort of program. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. Now they fight, and the fight's not bad. Sub-Zero's at a little bit of an advantage because, uh, you know, he's got ice powers and what have you. So that's kind of cheating. But Scorpion does eventually fall at the hands of Sub-Zero after putting up a pretty good fight. And Sub-Zero stabs him and he's like, for the Lin Kuei. And uh, that should be the end of our prologue as we now have a dead Scorpion and a Sub-Zero who's clearly a bad guy. Now before, one of my favorite characters shows up to steal the baby... Let's just pause and discuss what this prologue does for us. It sort of, in a strange way, makes Scorpion and Sub-Zero not the main characters of Mortal Kombat, but it makes them the spine of Mortal Kombat. And and that makes total sense. Scorpion and Sub-Zero are Mortal Kombat in terms of brand awareness, in terms of marketing, and uh, a lot of the fandom as well. I don't want to speak out of turn as I'm not like a massive modern Mortal Kombat fan. I just haven't played a lot of the games. Uh, Armageddon was the last one that I played till my thumbs were numb. Ooh, numb thumb. What's, the, what's, what's, what's wrong with your thumbs, Jim? What's that? You got numb thumb? I can fix that. It is a Star Trek 2009 joke here on this Mortal Kombat podcast. But it is kind of weird to me um, to have them at the forefront, especially if they're not going to be the main characters that drive the entire narrative, but this establishes them as a spine, so whatever, I'll go with it. Um, even though, surprisingly, they were, they're were they not misused in the 95 Mortal Kombat, but they're just mindless bad guys. They're in, they're out. We don't really know anything about them, but they are effective. They are effective when they show up to fight. So, you don't know, your, your mileage may vary. Now, the baby is still alive and hidden, in the compound house. And ladies and gentlemen, introducing the protector of Earthrealm, Lord Raiden! Fucking lightning bolt teleports into the arena. Now, this Lord Raiden is much more accurate to Raiden's portrayal. But ladies and gentlemen, nothing, nothing can defeat the 1995 performance of Lord Raiden by Christopher Lambert. So, for the remainder of this podcast... Christopher Lambert will also be playing Lord Raiden in my interpretation of Mortal Kombat 2021. So Lord Raiden shows up, and he immediately starts raiding through the refrigerator, and he's like, Oh man, it sure does make me hungry to be the protector of Earthrealm. And now that this ninja guy is dead, let's see if he's got anything to eat. What? You know, Hanzo, you're a pretty cheap guy. All I see in here is bologna. And look at your bread, man. It's old, it's stale. And there's no mustard. Oh, wait, well, there's a little mustard in here, but it's so old that when I I squirt the mustard on the bologna, all I get is a little bit of water before the mustard comes out. And I don't know about you, but I hate that with ketchup and mustard. I hate getting the juice that comes out when you squirt it. It makes me not want to eat whatever I'm about to eat, man. He hears the cries of the baby. Holy shit, there's a baby here. Hey, I think I'm going to take the baby. I owe Jabba the Hutt a lot of money. Maybe I could sell this baby to Jabba the Hutt. Oh, man. 
Graydon's going to get his debts cleared, and then I'm heading to the casino. Hey, everybody, enjoy the Mortal Kombat picture. I'm Lord Raiden. I'll see you in a little bit. And on-screen text, Mortal Kombat. No voice yelling Mortal Kombat. Raiden the baby thief disappears, and we transition to what all good movies begin with. On-screen text! Now, this on-screen text is vital to one's understanding of the film narrative if you're not familiar with what's going on. Let's see if it is informative for a new reader. Earthrealm is on the verge of catastrophe. Should it lose one more tournament, the savage realm of Outworld will invade. But an ancient prophecy foretells that a new group of champions will be united by the rise of Hanzo Hisashi's blood. Hanzo Hisashi, of course, being Scorpion. So, if I... On-screen text is supposed to sort of set the scene and help you understand what's going on, okay? Now, I'll, I'll cop to the fact that even the glorious on-screen text of A New Hope is not perfect, okay? It uses a lot of words that are... You know, the, a new viewer is going to be unaware of, okay? But I am stalling to pull up the opening crawl for Star Wars to see if I could pick out some stuff. Uh, oh, where? No, that's a video of it. I just want the text. I just want the text. Uh, please? Please, don't ruin my podcast. So, hey, uh, you guys... Uh, okay, it is a period of civil war in the galaxy. A brave alliance of underground freedom fighters has challenged the tyranny and oppression of the Galactic Empire. Eh, hold on, this is... Oh, this is different. This is the fucking production one. Oh, but, okay. Uh, turmoil, war... Yes, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. It is a period of civil war. Okay! We know what a civil war is. We've had one. Rebel spaceships. Rebel, someone who is rebelling. This is a rebellion, right? Well, we rebel. Striking from a hidden base have won their first victory against the evil Galactic Empire. Well, I don't know what a Galactic Empire is, but I know it's evil. Thanks to the dynamite writing of George Lucas. During the battle, I know what a battle is, rebel spies, well, see the above paragraph, managed to steal secret plans to the empires, see above paragraph, ultimate weapon, the Death Star. I don't know what a Death Star is, but I know it's the ultimate weapon of the evil empire. Oh, after the comma... An armored space station with enough power to destroy an entire planet. Well, holy shit, now I know what a Death Star is. Pursued by the Empire's sinister agents. Again, see the first paragraph that defined Empire. Princess Leia, or Princess Leia, as that old white guy with a beard says. Races home aboard her... Aboid? Hey, Vinny. Are we going to go aboard and defend your cousins here? And my cousin Vinny? Aboard her spaceship, spaceship, custodian of the stolen plans. Love the word custodian, by the way. That can save her people and restore freedom to the galaxy. Well, holy shit! All the words that I didn't understand were defined by the opening crawl. Now, let's compare. Earth Realm. Well, I, I know what Earth is, but Earth Realm? Okay, I, I'm with you, I guess. Is on the verge of catastrophe. Catastrophe. I don't know, a four-syllable word in the Mortal Kombat scroll. You might want to rethink that. Should it lose one more tournament, the savage realm of Outworld will invade. Well, I know what a savage means. I'm still a little iffy on realm, because remember, I'm just a random mom that yells a lot that came in off the streets to watch this movie. Uh, but an ancient prophecy, I guess I know what that is. A new group of champions. Well, 
I know what a champion is, but how does it relate to this film? We'll be united by the rise of Hanzo Hisashi's blood. Well, I hope you were paying attention to the subtitles and you know who Hanzo Hisashi was. You know, it's not as bad as I guess I thought it was when I started this shtick. But still, it what tournament? What tournament? Anywho. Uh, so that, that, you know, that's our opening. We're good to go. Prologue over. Now it's time to head to the big city. Big Apple. 3 a.m., if you will. Actually, I don't know what city it is. But we're in an MMA studio. MMA studio. An MMA arena, like locker room. And we meet our protagonist, Cole Young. Why? Why is Cole Young our protagonist? Why do we have this random new guy? And I don't want to sound like a Mortal Kombat nerd, but this motherfucker cannot act for shit. For shit. Why not just have this be Liu Kang? I don't know. Uh, But he agrees to take a fight at the last minute for only $200. Even though his wise daughter is his quarterman and yells, Use your uppercut, Dad! He doesn't, and he eventually taps out. Now, Cole appears to be really down on his luck, and he's in the locker room weeping over his recent defeat, when a man, a large man, walks into the locker room and says, Hey, I'm Jax, Special Forces Tattoo Division. I like your birthmark, man. And and Cole's like, this birthmark that looks like the Mortal Kombat dragon? And Jax says, yeah, how did you get it? And this is a classic line. I'm not, you know, this is not an original joke. The daughter says, he was bored with it. And Jack says, what do you mean? She says, it's a birthmark. <laughs> no, it's opposite. His daughter goes, it's a birthmark. What do you mean? He was bored with it. It's implied by the word birthmark. But what I do love here the most is if you know anything about Jacks, you know what will happen to him. And maybe it's just because I know. But this scene has a lot of what I'm calling arm foreshadowing. Jack's crosses his arms a lot, touches his arms a lot. I think at one time I saw him even rubbing his arms like, hey Cole, I know you just tapped out in an MMA fight. You should work out like me. Look at my muscles. I'm huge. I'm in the military. Did I mention Special Forces Tattoo Division? So yeah, arm foreshadowing is a new thing for me, but but this movie brings it to the forefront. Speaking of bringing things into the uh, forefront, if you will, One of those words that gave us a little bit of trouble in the opening scroll returns to the screen. We get some on-screen text that says, Outworld, as we take a look at sort of a deserty terrain. Now, Sub-Zero walks into frame, and yes, Sub-Zero's armor or ninja suit looks a lot better than it did in 1995, so kudos to that. Sub-Zero is, of course, Bihan, our Lin Kuei assassin from the opening prologue. He walks to a man that sits on a throne. This, of course, is Shang Tsung. It has begun. Shang Tsung, I know, is the, uh, I guess, fucking number two. He's like Vader, if you will. Lots of Star Wars comparisons here I didn't plan on. He's like Vader to uh, Palpatine's Shao Kahn. Of course, we don't meet Shao Kahn, talk about Shao Kahn or anything like that, so let's just focus on Shang Tsung. And yes, the names get more confusing if you're not familiar with Mortal Kombat! But Shang Tsung is not sitting in a beautiful palace. He's not uh, getting ready to host a luxurious tournament on a wonderful desert or private island as he is in Mortal Kombat 1. He's just sitting here on a throne, ordering around Sub-Zero. 
He's like, uh, Sub-Zero, I think probably what we should do is uh, forget about this uh, Mortal Kombat tournament thing, basically. And Earth, Earthrealm, is going to establish a roster of champions, as they call them. And I think what we should do, Sub-Zero, now hear me out here, this is sort of my master plan, is we should kill all the competitors before the tournament starts. Then they're just going to have, like, the Brooklyn Brawler. And once the Brooklyn Brawler shows up, I mean, <laughs> I think Outworld's going to win Mortal Kombat. And Sub-Zero's like, well, all right, Shang Tsung, that sounds like a pretty cold idea. But how do you know that we'll be victorious? And Shang Tsung's like, hey, Sub-Zero, listen to me very closely. We need one win. One more win. We've won nine in a row. And if we win one more, Earthrealm belongs to us. And Sub-Zero's still a little iffy on the math here. And Shang Tsung's like, don't worry, Sub-Zero. I'm good with calculation. Because the actor that plays Shang Tsung is the calculator from The Dark Knight. I love this guy. Now look, Lao in The Dark Knight, the gentleman who does the accounting for uh, the mob, uh, the little TV guy, as the Joker calls him, he's like, ah, 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 oh, ah, your little TV guy there. I, I might be misquoting the Joker there, but you get, you remember who I'm talking about, the guy who says, I'm good with calculation. Ah, by the way, before he sends Sub-Zero away, he's like, ah, oh, Sub-Zero, the overhead on getting you to talk to me in person on the throne is getting a little expensive and the Emperor is getting pissed. So I think, Sub-Zero, next time, a simple phone call may suffice. But what he says, I'm good with calculation. It always makes me think of the obscure DC Comics character, the Calculator. And so, ever since 2008, I've referred to Lau as the Calculator. So fucking deal with that. Back in Cole Young City, or I guess Big Apple 3 a.m. or wherever, the Young family is celebrating their uh, fucking uh, rich stipend of $200 that they've been granted from Cole Young getting the shit kicked out of him. And they're enjoying a nice family dinner at some sort of a rundown uh, outdoors-based establishment. And Cole Young's like, my wife, I'm so sorry that I suck at MMA. I'm sorry I'm a terrible actor, but at least we're happy. I love you. And our daughter's sitting out there eating a delicious chili dog completely safe. It then starts to snow in July. And Cole's like, hey, what I tell you? That global, global warming shit don't mean anything. Goddamn liberal. Uh, but it does start snowing. And I will say, this is kind of a cool special effect. Like, hail bombs start to fall. Like, real rough hail. They don't explode like bombs, but they do look very painful. And wouldn't you know who's behind these ice balls? It's Air Mac! I, I just seen if you were paying attention. It is Sub-Zero. Sub-Zero is here to kill Cole Young, whom apparently is one of Earthrealm's champions. Now... Cole Young is no match for Sub-Zero, and Sub-Zero has notched quite a few dead families on his punch card, and he's about to get one more. But wouldn't you know it, the the strange gentleman with the big arms, Jax, shows up. He rolls up in a car, and he's like, hey, come with me if you want to live. A am I allowed to say that? Are we going to get sued? But basically, he does pull a come with me if you want to live, and uh, they drive away, hoping to get to safety, but Sub-Zero, man, he's not letting this one go. And he appears to be at every quarter. So, Jax comes up with a fucking delicious plan. 
He bails, grabs a huge fucking hand cannon rocket grenade launcher out of his trunk, and he's like, Cole, man, you're really important, and hey, I've got one of those dragon tattoos too, so you can trust me. So what I need you to do is get to Gary, Indiana, and find Sonya Blade. Gary, Indiana? I'm very familiar with Gary, Indiana. It's my home, sweet home. That is a music man joke. For all you youngsters out there. Uh, but Jax is like, yeah, head to Gary, Indiana. Find Sonya Blade. Very specific instructions. <laughs> and I'm going to go take on Sub-Zero with my giant gun. Which leads us to our first fight. Say, you know, post-prologue. Jax versus Sub-Zero. They fight in a building. It is, for narrative purposes, very one-sided. You get the sweet shot that was spoiled in the trailer where Jax shoots the fucking shotgun pellets at Sub-Zero and he freezes them mid-air. It's kind of cool. I mean, look, Sub-Zero's my boy. Sub-Zero is my ninja of choice. Check out the new ninja. A ninja of choice. Uh, You could go with this. Uh, You could go with that. Uh, You could go with that. Anywho. uh, The choreography's pretty decent. However... Again, with the arm foreshadowing. I mean, they're pretty much there, but there's like a like a five-star wrestling match in the Tokyo Dome. There is a lot of limb work here in this fight. Uh, Sub-Zero's really taking it to Jax's arms before he decides to go for the coup de grace. Uh, but speaking of the coup de grace, Jax is pretty much helpless. Sub-Zero freezes both of Jax's arms and shatters them in a nice, gory special effect. And look, there is nothing funny. There is nothing funny about someone losing their arms in reality. However, losing your arms in ice-based Mortal Kombat is quite humorous, as is the special effect of the actor that plays Jack standing there being like, Ah, my arms. Ah, where are they? He falls to his knees, and uh, Sub-Zero, like, pushes him over the ledge, uh, tried to mimic the famous Mortal Kombat pit, I guess, but... (laughs) Fucking the dummy work here. I'm pretty sure they used a dummy to simulate Jax with no arms falling in the pit because this Jax dummy hits another ledge before falling even further. And it's like a fantastic Daffy Tuck Roadrunner thump. It really made me laugh quite a bit. As you can tell, I'm laughing just fucking thinking about it. We head back to Outworld. No more on-screen text, so I hope you know what Outworld is. Uh, This time, we're out of a desert terrain, and we're in more of a rocky terrain. (laughs) You know, like like I said, Outworld armies, this is the calculator, Shang Tsung. The overhead is getting quite unbearable. (laughs) Can we stay in one place? (laughs) Uh, But now we get a a woman. A woman with a a weird fucking-looking mouth carrying some size shades of Raphael. From the Ninja Turtles. This, of course, is Melina. We all know Melina. Everyone's favorite Mortal Kombat character, Melina. Uh, Melina's all like, uh, Shang Tsung, I've got some good news and i got some bad news. Which would you like first? And Shang Tsung's like, hmm, let me calculate. Give me the good news. Well, Sub-Zero has defeated Jax. The bad news is, the much more important character to this narrative, for some reason, Cole Young has escaped. 
Shang Tsung makes some calculations. Okay, do I send Air Mac? No, he's all, he's all the way in Adenia, and the, the flights from Adenia are murder. Should I send Striker? No, no, he is an angry asshole cop, which means he is on our side. And while I think he would have really liked to apprehend Jax, he probably wouldn't want to bring Cole Young to justice because they look too similar. So that's not going to work. What about Shiva? No, no, Shiva's getting really expensive. She's got all those arms and she eats a ton. Why Why am I starting to sound like Lord Raiden? I'll tell you what, I've made some calculations. Release the Zyoth! The Sizoth. The fuck I fuck. He says, send the Sizoth. Whatever the fuck that is. Now, I did a little internet research, and I guess Sizoth is the name of the character he sends, like their proper name. I know him by a different name, but I won't spoil who it is quite yet. Melina is okay with this plan, and even if she wasn't, it wouldn't matter because she's the number eight in charge. But Melina's like, well, Shang Tsung, I appreciate all the maneuvers you've made to save Outworld some cash, but what happens if the Elder Gods find out that, you know, we've been killing the Earthrealm's champions before Mortal Kombat tournament can even begin? And he's all like, bitch, please, I'm good with calculation. They will not find the numbers. Trust me. So, Cole Young takes his family to the Cole Young farm, which will become much more important later. It's just where they live, and he's like, hey, I gotta go to fucking Gary, Indiana. So he heads to Gary, Indiana, in the fucking Jack's minivan or whatever, and he shows up at the Sonya Blade compound. Now, why do I call it the Sonya Blade compound? It's like a fucking empty lot that's not empty because there's like a fleet of shitty looking trailers there's like a barbed wire fence and i think a couple of boats that no longer function this is absolutely a fucking trumper compound i'm surprised sonya blade doesn't have stop the steel signs uh, a couple of stay out of my bathroom signs uh, i don't know crt equals fascism you know something like that uh finish the finish the wall things like that I don't know. I get some very, very unpopular vibes from this uh, compound. But, you know, Cole walks into this fucking, uh, what is it? What the tractor trailer? No, the fucking uh, mobile home. The manufactured housing. He walks into this manufactured house. Surprisingly, Sony just doesn't break his neck. But he's, you know, he's he, he's kind of a white guy. So, you know, whatever. Uh, Sonya's like, all right, guy. Uh. Show me the show me the dragon tattoo. Are you the the boy with the dragon tattoo? Show me the tats. Show me your tats right now. And Cole's like, I mean, if I show you my tats, you're gonna show me your tats. I mean, sure. Uh, you're just been introduced, but uh, can we get some fucking objectification right away? Now, Sonya Blade is this is no Bridget Wilson Sampras, okay? Not so much in the fact that Bridget Wilson Sampras was a terrible martial artist and kind of a bad actress, but like. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with the casting for Sonya Blade, but maybe you spend a couple extra dollars to find someone that might be more of a name. Like, Seven of Nine played her in those Mortal Kombat, like, micro-series that's available on HBO Max. It's much better than this movie. And, uh, I don't know. I just don't know. I don't, I'm not suggesting an act, like, I don't know an actual person. Like, I'm not coming up with a better idea, but I am suggesting maybe a better idea. Uh... She sees the dragon tattoo and she's like, "Oh, this is fucking fantastic! You're a you're a fucking certified Earthrealm champion." He's like, "What?" She's like, "Don't worry, don't worry. 
C- come over here. I- I've done a lot of research, okay? You want to see the truth wall? See, see, er- see, Cole, here's the problem, okay? As you can tell by my compound, nobody out there in the real world is reporting on any relevant news. It's all fake news, if you will. Take a look at my wall that's full of news clippings, uh, red, red uh, fucking string that connects dots, and fucking folksy-looking uh, hand-drawn art. Trust me, this is the real truth. Uh, and he's like, well, how can I trust you? How do I know that you're who Jax wanted me to really talk to? And she's like, look, I have pictures of my wall of Jax and me in the military together. And the only reason I bring this up is because I hate when movies fucking copy and paste picture, like fake pictures together. For some reason, even though picture manipulating technology is at an all-time high, they can never seem to make it look realistic. Just fucking put them together and take a picture and fucking use that. Don't fucking try to build something in a computer. Uh, but here is how Sonya Blade first learned the truth. All right, <laughs> Sonya, This is how Sonya got indoctrinated into the cult of combat. She's like, all right, Cole Young, here's a story. Of a man named Brady. No, here's the story. Seven years ago, Jax and I were on a special Mortal Kombat Special Forces Tattoo Division mission in Brazil, I think it was. Brazil! And uh, we fought a fucking metahuman. She says we fought, we were supposed to take down this bad guy, and we, we found him, and, and sure enough, he had fucking superpowers, is what she says. He's a fucking metahuman. Now, of course, we were very surprised. Unbeknownst to this time, we thought superhero superpowers were a myth. Sure enough, here we were fighting a superpowered individual. They never say who it was. So they're not wasting like a, a known Mortal Kombat character. But why not just throw it a name? You know, we were sent to find... Uh, Quan- well, don't waste Quan Chi, but I'm going to use him as my example. We were, we were supposed to find that warlord Quan Chi that was holed up in Mongolia or whatever. And uh, we killed him. But Jax ended up killing the guy with the powers... And Jax got a dragon tattoo that, you know, was on the dead metahuman, then it moved to Jax. I did some more internet research, and I quote, Great civilizations throughout time reference a great tournament. (laughs) Also, realms are a thing. Earth realm, Outworld, the Nether realm. There's all sorts of realms out there. Cole Young doesn't run away. For some reason, he believes all this. So I think we know who he's voting for. Uh, she's like, there's all kinds of different creatures out there. There's lizard people, by the way. Uh, Cole takes a look at the wall of weird, and we do see an old-timey photograph of Nightwolf. Nightwolf. It's just Nightwolf from the games. Uh, she says that your dragon tattoo is an invitation to fight in... And then she points to the wall. Mortal Kombat. What is she pointing to? A black and white photograph of the words Mortal Kombat written in blood on what has to be a bathroom stall. I seat on the cake. The K in combat is backwards. Feeling like a freak on a leash. Cole Young's got a weird birthmark. Feeling like I have no release. Jack's just lost his arms. It's cord, baby! Fucking America's worst export cord. Sonya's like, most of the champions have died recently. Uh, there's a fucking casual picture of 
Oh, fucking what's his... I always get his name wrong. Hanzo Hisashi on there. So Cole's like, hey, that guy looks pretty cool. As Cole looks at the picture of Hanzo Hisashi, we get our first, what I'm calling, Tyler Durden Scorp... Tyler... Tyler Durden Scorpion Flash. Because if you ever seen Fight Club, you get those subliminal Tyler Durdens that show up, like, one frame, and then they disappear. We get a quick cut-in of Scorpion in hell, just going... And Cole's like, whoa, that was trippy. Uh, you know, that it is what it is. But Sonya Blade's not the only combatant we need to meet here. Uh, Sonya has a Mortal Kombat character tied up and chained to a chair. Which I guess, based on the compound, I'm not surprised as. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing Kano! Played by current WWE superstar, Sami Zayn. Okay, he's not, but you take that beard off Sami Zayn, and, and they're, they're kind of fucking close. Kano's, of course, Australian famously, and he's like, Hey! Hey, new guy! Get me the fuck out of here! I'm going to be using the word fuck quite a bit because this film's rated R, and it's a great excuse for me to just yell, Fuck you, fuck cunt! Hey, Sonya, why don't you get me out of this chair? I'll shove my knife up, you cunt, you fucking twat, twat rag. Yeah, yeah. We're more R-rated than Deadpool, I think we are. And uh, Cole's like, this fucking asshole's a champion? Well, you see, he killed a guy with a dragon tattoo, and he got his. And Cole's like, well, that's how Jax got his. That's how Kano got his. Sonya, do you have... Where's your... Dra-? He's like, where's your dragon tattoo? I think he wants to get a look at them teats. Sonia confesses, I don't have one. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce to you a, a rational reason as to why to always watch films with the subtitles on. When Sonia says, I don't have a mark, Kano's in the background still t- chained to the chair, and he goes, wah, wah, wah. he makes the like sad trombone sound. On the closed captioning, in brackets, it says, quote, Kano mimics sad trombone. Can we get a little cut, a little excerpt of that, and start copying and pasting it on, like, awful images throughout mankind's history, like the Hindenburg, and at the bottom it says, Kano mimics sad trombone. <laughs> Please? <laughs> Can somebody do this? Nothing too recent, though. You've got, you know, the fucking uh, statute of limitations has to have passed so you don't get fucking in trouble. But I think Kano mimics sad trombone is the next meme-worthy thing to come to us from the world of Mortal Kombat. And folks, it's been about seven minutes without a fight. So introducing Sizoth, or better known to us as Reptile. Reptile is using his patented invisibility techniques. Uh, He also does his patented acid drip spit thingy, and that's fine. Eventually, after fighting a ghost or an invisible creature, and it looks really ridiculous, finally, uh, Reptile uncloaks, and we see him in his full form. You want to talk about disappointment. All right, so he kind of looks like Leatherhead from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but without the shirt. You know, the fucking Hawaiian shirt or the fucking hat? Wait a minute. You you guys remember Waylon Mercy from the WWF days of yore? 
Is Waylon Mercy, I know he's supposed to be based on De Niro from Cape Fear, but I'm getting serious Leatherhead vibes now that I'm thinking about it. It's like the Hanzo, the, the Hashashi Hanzo vibe is so fucking legendary. What about the fucking bloodline of Leatherhead, you know? Waylon Mercy's like, uh, know what I mean? Leatherhead, of course, has his patented, <laughs> I guarantee. No ninja suit for fucking Reptile, and that hurts. He's just a goddamn walking crocodile. Also, when he uncloaks, they should have had the Mortal Kombat announcer go, Reptile. Now, Sonya attacks this reptile with a knife. And I think Cole's like, hey, you're pretty good with a knife. I mean, I know your screenplay isn't the sharpest, but surely someone in the writer's room could have been like, I don't know, should he say blade? Should we make it a delicious pun? You're pretty good with the blade. And then maybe Sonya looks at the camera and's like, it's a living. Eventually... Kano goes one-on-one with the reptile, and he's like, Hey, come on, you fucking gator. I got boots that look just like you, you twat. Hey, my God. You smell like a fart in the swamp. Sounds like you smell like someone shit in your mouth, and then maybe pissed in it, too, and then rubbed a dirty twat all over your mouth, too. Cool. Hey, guys, do you like Kano yet? Am I cooler than Deadpool? Maybe, because Kano does do his patented heart rip. He punches right through Reptile's chest. His fist emerges from the other side with the heart and he yanks it out and fucking, he looks at it. He's like, look at that fucking beauty. <laughs> he then spikes the camera and says, Kaido wins. Now, <laughs> this is, you guys ever listen to my show Concrete Man where I talk about Vince McMahon using, in your house! You know, this is sort of equivalent to that, but at least I guess it makes sense. Because Cole and Sonya are indisposed of, and they're, like, watching the fight. And Kano wins the fight, rips out the heart, and he's, you know, he's really joyful and blissful about having this heart in his hand. He's like, ha-ha! Oh, crikey! And, and you know, he kind of looks at them, and he's like, ha-ha, Kano wins! Like, look, I won the fight! Or, I win, bitch! Like, it kind of makes sense. This is the opposite of Vince yelling in your house randomly. Like, well, there's so many things that are going to happen here tonight. And look at this! The winner's pulled out with a power slam in your house! Like, this this at least makes sense, because Kano is victorious, and he is sort of using it as a taunt. So I'm going to allow it. Uh, and we also see that some of Sonya's wall, his her fucking articles about the truth, are burning. Uh, a little symbolism here for all you fucking math majors. We see the picture of Scorpion burning. Message. Uh, after the fight, we do get a pretty fucking funny line as everyone's sort of sitting around regroup, regrouping. Because K- K- Kato did take a vicious slice to the face, like... It's right above his eye where you would think he would get his metal eye, you know, eventually. But no, that doesn't happen. He's like, well, you know, I, I don't know if you noticed, but I got my fucking eye almost cut out. L- luckily, though, you can hardly notice it, which is sort of a fucking fun gag. He's also uh, drawing some etchings. And Cole's like, what are you doing? <laughs> he says, write a fucking Kano graphic novel. What's it to you? <laughs> Wait. I don't know. Like, that's a pretty good one. I'm writing a Kato graphic novel. Like, that, that's pretty funny. Um, Sonya's like, well, we need to gather up all the champions. We need to go to Raiden's Temple. Kato's like, oh, hey, you're going to Raiden's Temple? Well, I know where that is. I used to run guns out of there. They're like, you do, huh? Yeah, I know about Raiden's Temple. Don't, don't, don't you know about it? But it is true. He does know how to get there. And he'll do it for... They do this fucking back and forth Coyote Roadrunner. I'll give you a million dollars. You ain't got a million dollars. I'll take two million. 
two billion? No, I, I, I'm on three million. You better have the money because you live in a shithole. And then they agree and they go to leave. And Cole's like, you got three million bucks? And so he's like, no, I live in this shithole. A little obvious, but it's okay. Uh, on the way out, when Kano's like, all right, all we're going to do is get on a plane. And don't worry, I know somebody that can fly a plane. He spits on a garden gnome. It's fucking gross. And he's like, hey, those things are creepy. <laughs> Hold on to that one for later. Now, when, when Kano's like, oh, I know somebody that can fly a plane. I, I can't really think of any Mortal Kombat-based characters that are pilots. But I am thinking, oh, who? what cameo are they going to sneak in? Are they maybe going to bring in Mortal Kombat 4's Jarek? No one's favorite Mortal Kombat character, Jarek, as the pilot. No, nah, it's just some old lady with an Australian accent. <laughs> That's fine. Whatever. On the plane, uh, Cole has a dream about Scorpion's hook. It's a very sexually charged dream. What are you going to do with that hook, Scorp? Uh, you know, everybody's favorite minigame in Mortal Kombat is breaking the fucking objects like the test your might. I know my favorite mini stage, though, is the Mortal Kombat parachute stage. So all of our Mortal Kombat combatants parachute out of this plane. No, it's not a very funny gag, but it's just... I don't know, it feels kind of weird to see the, your Mortal Kombat characters parachuting, but that's fine. Uh, they get lost in the desert, and, you know, they fucking have sort of a little mini Blair Witch meltdown. Kano's like, where's the fucking map? Where's the fucking map, Sonya? So he's like, I gave it to Cole. Cole's like, you know what? I threw the fucking map in the river. But they're lost, and they start infighting. Kano's like, hey, Sonya, hey, look at my tattoo. You ain't got one of these. Is that what you want to do? You want to fight me so you can get my tattoo, you fucking twat? You know, just in case everyone in the fucking theater hadn't figured out what was eventually going to happen, they throw this in for you. But folks, it's time for Earthrealm to fight back, and as we're la- lost here in the desert, uh, a-, a warrior emerges from the sunset. There is a ridiculous shot of a beautiful sunset with a shadowy figure walking in front of it, okay? Kano's like, MC Hammer, is that you? It MC. It's 2021, not 1990. What was the fucking MC Hammer joke? Did John Tobias and Ed Boon write this script like as they were conceiving the concept for Mortal Kombat, and they just snuck that one in? Uh, upon being called MC Hammer, Liu Kang, which is who this is, immediately throws a fireball at Kato. He's like, "Hello, I'm Liu Kang. I'm doing a very strange accent, by the way, even though I'm from Canada." And uh, Kano immediately is like, holy shit, you got me one of Earth's champions. Holy shit, crikey, am I going to get superpowers too? Now, I have made a lot of fun, well, I don't know if they're fun, but I've made a lot of jokes at Kano trying to be Deadpool, but he is honestly like the only thing to pay attention to. Whether or not the jokes work for you, it's at your discretion, but it, it does fucking work. Luke Kang's like, guys, uh, I, you know, it's about time you got here. Me and the other Earth Realm champions have been training for quite a long time and gaining our superpowers. We only have one full moon until the tournament starts. So we should probably fucking, you know, start training. Liu Kang takes them to Raiden's temple and Sonya immediately upon entering is like, Oh my God, I knew it. Mortal Kombat is real. Where are the voting machines, Liu Kang? I know Dominion sent the voting machines here, Liu Kang. You can't fool me. Okay, that's a Dominion voting machines joke, by the way. You know, we kind of we kind of slow down here for a little bit. Liu Kang explains what Outworld is, fucking finally. He calls it a murderous realm that is the home to our greatest enemy. 
okay? They've got some murals on the wall of, like, great legends of Mortal Kombat past. And even though Hanzo, our big our boy Scorpion, never competed in Mortal Kombat, to the best of my knowledge, his death has an entire mural dedicated to it. Message! Liu Kang tells us that we need to train to find our inner power, which is how we're describing our, you know, superpowers and what have you. They'll define it more in a little bit. Um, Sonya realizes that, holy fuck, Jax is here! Because after Jax, or after Jax's dummy fell, uh, I guess they sensed his pain and dispatched some monks to fucking bring him to the Mortal Kombat Command Center. Because uh, he's got a tattoo, so I guess they could track him. But he's laying there, unconscious, no arms. It's very, very sad. And then, ladies and gentlemen, lightning strikes. We hear the crash of thunder. And hoo-hoo! Uh, Lord Raiden has returned to the motion picture. And he's all like, all right, hey, everybody, I'm back from the casino. And I'm up three grand. Ah, uh, I sold... <laughs> I sold that baby to Jabba the Hutt, so I've been able to gamble for like 4,000 years. All right, I'm really hungry, but holy shit! Liu Kang, you didn't tell me you were inviting over any friends. Who are these fuckers? Look at you. You look like fucking, uh, Cole Young, disgraced MMA fighter. Holy shit, dude. Aren't you like zero and 24? Oh, man, you've got to fucking get tougher. This is it, though, Liu Kang. Uh, all the Earth Realm was scoured, and this is all you could find? Holy shit, I need a bologna sandwich. Sub-Zero appears and attacks Liu Kang. Sub-Zero, of course, is a boss, but... Well, not a boss in a sense of a boss. He's just a badass. Liu Kang, though, is rescued by a bright, shiny, metallic cling. It's a fucking magic hat. With a blade attached to it. It's Kung Lao. He teleports into action with his fucking sword hat. Or sword hat. That's a bad fucking... His odd job hat. It's his fucking hat. You know Kung Lao has a hat. And it's fully realized. Uh, not quite as iconic as a fellow circular metallic object. Captain America's shield. But nonetheless, it's here. Shang Tsung shows up. And, you know, he's got a fucking group of killers here. And he's like, alright. Alright, I've made calculations. It's now time to defeat you before Mortal Kombat. Now, Raiden is not very pleased with Earthrealm's champions. He's very hungry, but he is up three grand, so I think he's feeling a little generous. He chimes in and he's like, oh, no you don't, Megatron. I'm going to build a shield. Activate the shield and get this man a shield hat. <laughs> but Raiden makes a fucking shield out of electricity to keep the bad guys out of Mortal Kombat headquarters. And he's like, all right, folks, Shang Tsung and Sub-Zero are out of here. I can hear my name being called from the blackjack table. I've got to get back to the Mortal Kombat casino. But you guys should probably train and unlock your arcana. You see, your arcana is your superpower. Did you hear that, Kano? You're going to get the superpower. Guess what mine is? No, no, it's not thunder and lightning. I've got the huge cock, Kano. Maybe you can talk about that later when you're talking about Sonya's twat. Um, they go to train to unlock their arcana. Liu Kang has to pull a 1930s on Sonya. And he's like, I'm sorry, Sonya Blade. Even though we are very liberal here at the Mortal Kombat Command Center, girls are not allowed to vote or participate in Mortal Kombat. Actually, it's just because she doesn't have a dragon tattoo. She can't go to arcana training. Uh, eventually, Jack, Jax wakes up. We get a little bit of a training montage. Liu Kang's like, Kano, it's time to test your might. 
and I elbow the guy in the audience next to me, even though I don't know him, and I'm like, oh my god, he said the thing! He said the fucking thing that you hear! He said, test your might. We got a nice, fun joke here about playing against noobs in the arcade that only know how to do the leg sweep, as Liu Kang, or is it Kung Lao, it doesn't matter, continuously leg sweeps Kato, and Kato's like, alright, not the only move you know, alright, you can still leg sweep me now, ah, oh, you fucking twat! Uh, Cole has a, has a moment where he talks to Lou, and he's like, Lou, I, I can't really unlock my arcana. I'm having a hard time. You know, Lou, I feel like, I feel like you should probably be the main character of this movie, man. I mean, I'm fucking Cole Young. You're Lou Kang. What's the score here, brother? I don't know why he called him brother there at the end. Uh, Lou's like, well, you have to find your arcana in your soul. You know, I was just a little street urchin walking around when I was a kidster asking people, please, sir, could I have any more? But then I met Master Bo Ray Cho. And then I elbow the guy next to me. I'm like, oh my God, he said Bo Ray Cho. This guy's like, security. This guy keeps elbowing me. Bo Ray Cho, of course, the fat guy who pukes and farts on his opponents. I guess uh, Christopher Nolan wasn't going to let Bo Ray Cho into the script. You know, it's funny. I did a little internet research. I saw this interview with Christopher Nolan, and this guy's like, uh, Mr. Nolan, I loved your vision of Mortal Kombat, but uh, you only referenced Master Bo Ray Cho, and, you know, fucking Nolan's got a suit on. He's like, yes, Master uh, Bo Ray Cho didn't, didn't really fit the... Uh, you know, the world we were building here for serious Mortal Kombat, uh, but perhaps we'll get him into sequels. Uh, this is a Christopher Nolan joke. Uh, Cole's like, hey, I'm not ready to be the main character yet, Lou. Are you sure you don't want to be the main character? Lou's like, I'm really not as innocent as you think I am. Once I was made a monk in the Order of the Light to pass my final test, I, I walked around town and I, I had to kill this guy who, like, kidnapped children and, and molested them. You might know him as uh, Jeffrey Epstein. And Sonia chimes in, I knew it! I knew it! But Lou does say he, like, fucking killed a uh, rapist guy. And that's how he got his dragon tattoo. The monk with the dragon tattoo, if you will. And he's like, it'll be okay, Cole. You'll get your arcana eventually. Now I think Sonya has some literature she wants to to share with you. Because you know, it sounds like Luke... I feel like Luke Kang and Sonya are trying to indoctrinate Cole into some sort of a right-wing conspiracy. But, you know, I mean... You know what I was going to make it? I'm done. Um, Out of nowhere, ladies and gentlemen... Because something like this should probably be introduced. Jax, as we said, has waken, has you know, he's awoken. He walks into the Arcana Trading Center, and he has robot arms, to the surprise of no one that plays Mortal Kombat. But ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, Jax's robot arms version 1.0, and I swear to you, he's got the tiniest little fucking robot arms I've ever seen. He looks like Rob, the fucking Nintendo thing that played with Gyromite. He's like... <laughs> Sonya, I need input. Oh, that's Johnny Five, but he's just got these fucking little robot arms. <laughs> it's the fucking best thing I've ever seen, man. It really fucking is. Uh, we take a break to have dinner where Kato is indignant towards everyone, making all sorts of racist remarks towards Kung Lao and Liu Kang. I won't repeat them, but uh, through spreading hate... Uh, Kano unlocks his arcana, which is his eye laser. And he's all like, hey, look at that fucking coal. I told you I'd get my arcana before you, you fucking twat. Look at me, man. I could, I could kill me some gators. Oh, I could give me some gators and get some boots. Oh, where's that crocodile Dundee fucker at? Hey, Dundee, you call that a knife? Well, this is a fucking laser. So, you know. 
Uh, basically, the whole point is is Kano's a douche, and Cole really needs to step it up. Even Raiden shows up after this dinner, and he's like, Hey, Cole, holy shit, man. I just got taken to the cleaners at the blackjack table, so I'm not as happy as I used to be. You know, Cole, I've been watching you train trying to unlock your arcana. And and even Kano got his arcana. You, you haven't done shit, man. And I tell you what, you should be a lot better at this. Uh, you don't know this, Cole, but since I'm really old, I'm going to tell you a secret about your heritage, Cole. You're related to a great warrior in Mortal Kombat's history. You are the great, 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 great grandson of Rain. You know Rain, the fucking purple ninja. <laughs> you know, we called him Rain because he wears the purple. <laughs> I'm sure you can imagine what we were listening to in the 80s, Cole, when you were just a kid. I was like, hey, look, it's purple Rain. Purple Rain. But yeah, man, you're related to Rain. You should be able to shoot thunder and lightning just like me. Or at the very least, you should be able to make it rain. I used to be able to make it rain until I got taken to the cleaners at the casino, Cole. Mortal Kombat Casino is a bunch of shit, Cole. You don't hit on 20. Even though the blackjack dealer's like, Hey, Raiden, you got 20, you want to hit? You could get an ace, man. But I got the deuce, Cole. I got the deuce. Speaking of deuce, your great-great-grandfather Rain was kind of a deuce, too. He was a big piece of shit. But I'm just kidding with you, Cole. You're not related to Rain. I bet you're breathing a big sign of relief. No, you're related to the Hanso guy who's a ninja, which kind of makes you a ninja, too, bro. As Raiden reveals that, he's related to, that Cole's related to Scorpion, do we need to flash back to the footage from the prologue? I mean, we remember. We were there, right? By the way, Cole... Uh, we haven't really talked or thought about Scorpion until just now, but your great ancestor, who was a legend in Mortal Kombat, he's in the Nether Realm right now, which is kind of like your hell, because he's been looking for revenge. Everybody paying attention, because that throwaway line's pretty much all the explanation you're going to get. Oh, and you want me thinking to yourself, well, if he's dead, how did he have any kids? Because you showed me that flashback and his son got frozen. Well, well, Cole... You might be wondering what happened to his little daughter. And guess what? Even though the audience has been aware of it for about 50 minutes, I saved the baby. A big reveal. No, Cole, don't worry. The audience didn't see me sell the baby to Jabba the Hutt. But nonetheless, I guess when she was a slave at Jabba's palace, she got fucked by somebody. Because you're her great, 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 great grandson. But you know what, Cole? I'm kind of sick of you. I'm going to call my friend Rain to come back to Mortal Kombat. You should probably just go home. What's that? You don't want to go home? Well, I control thunder and lightning, and I'm going to shoot you with lightning and teleport you home. So, kaboomskis! I can't say Shazam, even though Shazam is a Warner Brothers New Line Cinema film, so I say Skaboomskis. And sure enough, Cole is teleported back to Hawkeye's farm, where I guess he lives. Uh, his, his wife and daughter are like, oh my god, Cole's back! No mention of him appearing through a magic lightning teleportal, teleport portal. <laughs> but I guess they did see a guy make ice out of thin air earlier, so they're not surprised. Cut to Outworld, where Shang Tsung has calculated that it's time to bring his evil gang together. He's all like, all right, everyone, gather around. Let me introduce you to my friends. First, we've got no one's favorite Mortal Kombat character, the great hunter, Nitara, 
who I think is in like one game and she like has wings. She kind of looks like the Bat Gremlin. I mean, the special effects on her are equivalent to the Bat Gremlin, except the Bat Gremlin rules and the Bat Gremlin has personality. Why am I not talking about Gremlins 2? Because Gremlins 2 wouldn't be in an episode of Junkman. Because Gremlins 2 might be the best sequel of all times. Deal with that. Uh, introducing my other friend, Cabal, who we will talk about. Cabal looks pretty much comics act or game accurate, I guess. You know, he's in an iron lung. He's got the mask. He's got the fucking accoutrement. Introducing General Raiko and his giant fucking hammer. Raiko, of course, played by Nathan Jones from WrestleMania 19. Hey, Shang Tsung, thanks for calling me back to combat duty. You, you give me a second chance after I went through that stint in rehab. I'm no longer a crack addict. But look at me, Hammer. I'm addicted to cracking skulls when punk star static I am. Melina, of course, but we've already met her. Uh, and that's it. Those are the fucking shit, fucking lieutenants of Outworld Sub-Zeros here, too, of course. Shang Tsung's like, we've got to figure out how to turn off Lord Raiden's shield generator. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing pro wrestling author and writer Vincent Russo from WCW Must Die as the voice of Cabal. Because who decided Cabal should sound like he's from Brooklyn? You know, Russo might not even do justice. This dude sounds like Raphael from the first Ninja Turtles movie. You know, he's like, hey, I think I can help you. You see the guy down there at the Mortal Kombat temple? He's a complete fucking asshole. He answers to the name of Kano. Now, let me repeat that, okay? And I'll try to stick to one accent. Because Shang Tsung's like, they have a shield. Well, I think I can help. You see the guy down there, complete fucking asshole, answers to Kano? How the fuck does Cabal know that Kano is down there? I get they have a shared history. They're both members of the Black Dragon Crime Syndicate. I get it. But what a fucking line. Not to mention, not to mention, this fucking poorly written line is fucking delivered with this accent. And when you see Cabal, you see this dude in a mask and a respirator, you're thinking, you know, you think, I want this ship towing apart, and I want those plants found, bring me the captains, I want them alive! That's a fucking butchered line, but that's Darth, that's supposed to be Darth Vader, or, no Obi-Wan ever told you what happened to your father. You expect some fucking boss voice. <laughs> Not fucking Peter Griffin's cousin from the Bronx. Yeah, I think I can help you. You guys see some guy down there. He's a complete fucking asshole. And just a Kano. You know, a whole second single bet. Tell me, you didn't pay money for this, huh? Anywho, he's like, yeah, if Kano was down there, that guy's a big fucking prick. You'd love him, but he's the reason I'm in this iron lung. A big door opens here in Outworld. And we see the outline of a four-armed monster. It is indeed everyone's least favorite Mortal Kombat sub-boss, Goro. Oh, Prince Goro, it's so good to see you, to have a prince of the Shokan realm working with us. It's, it's quite an honor. I've calculated your inclusion uh, improves our, uh, our percentage of completion by like 76%. But Goro just yells and disappears. But this is your fucking combat busting team assembled for fucking duty. Yay. Well, at this point, it's probably been like, I don't know, 20 or some odd minutes without like an actual fight between two opposing forces with superpowers. So Cabal and the rest of the fucking Mortal Kombat Revenge Squad warp or teleport to Raiden's, Raiden's temple. And, uh, you know, when I said they were going to blow up the shield generator earlier in my notes, like I, I was just joking, like because Raiden clearly made like a 
a force field out of his lightning. I was like, oh, we got some magic going on here. But but no, no, ladies and gentlemen, there's a legitimate like shield generator device complete with Mortal Kombat dragon batteries or some shit. And Kato's standing next to it and Cabal. Cabal of all people walks up. Oh, crikey! Is that Cabal? Cabal, I ain't seen you in like five years, mate. Where you been? Oh, I get it. Are you, you working for that wizard now, mate? I don't know if I'm working for no wizard, bro. But are you working for some kind of girl? I saw you with a girl earlier, man. You some kind of, you know, funny guy. Oh, no, crikey, I'm on, man. Watch, I'll blow up this here shield generator, I will. But Cabal basically sells Kano on the idea of working for the bad guys. I mean, did we not see the heel turd coming a mile away? Okay. But I will admit, none of these characters are interesting. The bad guys, the good guys, minus Sub-Zero. I find Sub-Zero interesting, but, you know, again, I'm very Sub-Zero biased. It's not like Sub-Zero says anything. He looks interesting. You know, I saw him in the prologue. Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to excuse it. When I say he's interesting, please understand, it's by, like, the thinnest of wires, okay? Um, but the shield generator is destroyed. The shield comes down, and we see that Goro has teleported to Cole's farm. Goro has been sent to kill the unkillable Cole Young, ladies and gentlemen. It's a, it's a bit of an overcorrection. Why not just send fucking, I don't know, send rain? Well, you know, we got those overhead there at Outworld. I don't know. Who's, like, the worst... Immortal, uh, oh god who's that fucking muscle guy with the hat nah it doesn't miss Haso Hassan I don't know his fucking name but there's some pretty fucking awful Mortal Kombat characters there in the latter Playstation ones I'm looking at you uh Nitara well I guess she's already in the movie so yeah um but it is time to get some real fucking Mortal Kombat fight on so the forces of Outworld invade the temple and we get a couple of different fights going on okay most of these are cross-cut with one another, but I'm just going to go through them one at a time for simplicity's sake. They, none of them really last long. We get Jax versus Rico, or Rico, Nathan Jones, it doesn't matter. Jax's baby arms are no match for Rico's hammer, okay? And I always thought Rico was uh, Shao Kahn, by the way, because I played Mortal Kombat 4. I was like the only person in the world that liked Mortal Kombat 4, but he's not. Uh, the only interesting thing that comes out of here is that Jax gets beaten down like a little bitch, and he has a delicious one-liner when Rico yells at him. He's like, man, you got bad breath. $55 million film, and that's what we came up with. Sonya fights Melina. I don't know. Melina has size. Sonya busts out some of sticks, so okay. Melina gets a pretty deep cut in and then licks the blood off of her sigh. He's doing it for somebody. Not me, but that's doing it for somebody. Uh, upon tasting the blood of a Sonya Blade, she's like, wait a minute, you don't have the blood of the Triad or the fucking uh, Lolly Lule Low inside of you? You're not part of the upper echelon. I'm not going to even worry about fighting you. Uh, Kano, like, puts, like, pushes a giant boulder on top of her. Yeah, interesting. Liu Kang fights... Ball. Hey, Luke Kang! Hey, come on, let's make this quick. I gotta go down to the deli and deal with some Stugats. Uh, yeah! Uh, Cabal has his hook swords. I like that! Cabal does his running special move, but it doesn't encapsulate Luke Kang in a web-like device to make him go... Uh, we get lots of fireballs. I mean, it's, it's, it's probably the most Mortal Kombat fight of them all. 
until the next one, I guess. But he's like, what's wrong, Liu Kang? I'm too quick for you. Yeah, that's right. I was on the Bronx track team at Bronx High School before I got put in this iron lung by that son of a bitch, Kano. Nitara fights Kung Lao, if you want to call it that. Because Shang's all like, Kung Lao, you are supposed to be the champion. We will now defeat you. And uh, Kung Lao throws his hat at Shang Tsung, but Shang Tsung dodges it. The hat gets trapped in the wall. Natara, because she can fly, hovers above Kung Lao. And again, we're really below Gremlins 2 special effects here. She uh, attacks, like lunges at him. Kung Lao, ladies and gentlemen, jumps on her back and rides her like he's bucking a fucking bronco. He gets her down on the ground, and now he's like sledding on her face. Like, you know, a sled. Probably... The most Mortal Kombat-ish satisfying moment. I mean, this is, like, probably everybody's favorite thing. Kung Lao summons the hat towards him, and it sticks into the ground a couple of feet away from the Natara sled. Kung Lao spins it like a blade and rides Natara face-first into the hat, and it splits her right down the middle. Just a real disgusting look at her insides. Not the look at her insides that Kato wanted, I would imagine. Lots of blood, sprays everywhere, and Kung Lao's just like, Oh yes, give it to me, bathe me in the blood of Nitara. Like he's really into it. Stands up, puts the hat on his head, swipes the blood off of it, icing on the cake, spikes the camera. Flawless victory. Like he says flawless victory. Ah, okay. Alright, I can deal with that. Now, again, one fight that's also cross-cut is a fight between Cole Young and Goro. Can Cole achieve his arcana? Hey, Cole, why don't you put some fucking effort into it? Maybe you can make some water droplets fall down like your cousin Rain. Goro CGI, folks, looks awful. I'll take the puppet from 1995. Over. Actually, that puppet looks really bad, too. They fight in a barn. There's a joke there. Can't think of one. Uh, Goro makes the same mistake that Kevin Nash's Super Shredder made in Turtles 2 at Goro. Goro, man, I know you're fighting in a barn and there's lots of fucking, uh, you know, uh, things. It was like the, the stuff that may holds up the barn, you know, like the little wall stuff. Uh, what are those things called? Why can't I think of it? It doesn't fucking matter. Joke done. Goro punches the beams. The beams! The beams. Hey, Goro, don't punch the beams, man. When I was a super shredder, I, was, I got really excited when I saw the turtles under that dock. And I started swinging for them with my knives, like, hey, any second, turtles, I'm gonna get there. You're gonna be dead. But then the dock fell on me. Well, the barn falls on Goro and Cole. Uh, his wife and daughter come out, and they're like, oh, no, it's Goro! Uh, Cole is up, Goro's up. Mom gets an axe, and she fucking rams it into Goro. How come she's not the main character? She gets punched and then trapped in a truck with her daughter. Cole's crawling around on the floor like a drunk, like, oh, God. Oh, I'm fucked. The wife and daughter are about to die. Cole sees this, and then, like a Power Ranger, it's Arcana time. Cole is granted his Arcana by seeing his family in danger. Ladies and gentlemen, Cole's Arcana... Does he get ice powers? Can he throw a hook? Can he vomit? Does he get a gun like Stryker? Does he fucking get, I don't know, mental skills like Rain? Does he turn into a giant robot like Cyrex? 
Sector Smoke. Nope! Ladies and gentlemen, Cole Young's Arcana is literally plot armor. You've heard of plot armor? When the script dictates a character can't die, well, Cole's torso becomes armor. The literal embodiment of plot armor. Pretty funny. As soon as he gets the plot armor, he runs toward Goro, and he's like got a fucking false sense of self-empowerment. He's like, all right, Goro, things are going to be different this time. And Goro just smacks him, and he goes flying. This would kill Cole if he didn't have his plot armor, unfortunately. Uh, they get into a fight. His daughter yells, use your uppercut. Like, you know, he didn't do in the MMA fight. He does! And it only dazes him. Now, one this is a missed opportunity because they set up the uppercut. The uppercut's a huge part of the Mortal Kombat lexicon. And Cole's armor is kind of like Black Panther's suit. Like, when he gets hit, there's energy there. And later on, he turns the energy into some blade nunchuck things. Uh, what are they called? Uh, Tonga sticks. But why not... You know, you got to get this reference in here, and I'll get to it, okay? But sometimes in Mortal Kombat, when you do the uppercut, we're, granted, we're visited by a little friend in the bottom of the screen who says a very iconic phrase. So you're building to this uppercut. Why not have that energy, like, gathering Cole's fist? And his daughter says, Use your uppercut! And then... Cole channels the energy into his fist, uppercuts Goro, and maybe some, like, energy burns Goro's mouth or something like that. And have Goro be like, because Goro kind of only talks and grunts. Have him, like, grab his scorching lip and be like, toasty. <laughs> you know, because toasty. I mean, that's, a, that's a big part of Mortal Kombat. I don't know. These Tonga sticks, though, Cole uses them to cut off one of Goro's hands. He fucking disembowels him, and then he stabs him in the eye. Okay. But guys, can we be done with Goro now? If this movie ever gets a sequel or another remake in 50 years, can we just leave Goro alone? He doesn't work as CGI or a puppet. I, I just don't... I, just, I, I don't like it. I've talked briefly about how Cole is an awful actor, ladies and gentlemen. At this moment, he is asked to run towards his family and hug them with a warming embrace of safety. He can't even believably run and hug. It's pathetic. Back at the temple, though, we're not done. Sonya, as I previously mentioned, is trapped under a boulder thanks to Kato. Jax tries to lift the boulder up, but he just can't do it. Because, you know, his tiny baby arms. Again, to the surprise of no one, Jax, through the power of wanting to save his platonic friend... Uh, gets his arcana, and his arcana is his little wimpy baby arms become the full-on Jack's robotic arms we all know and love, question mark, from Mortal Kombat. Raiden finally shows back up. Oh, man! I, you guys don't even want to know what just happened at the casino. I think I killed a guy and then sold his liver to a homeless guy for a bottle of fucking Mad Dog. Holy shit! What happened? I told you guys never to have a party at the Mortal Kombat temple when I'm not here. Holy shit, is that Sub-Zero? Sub-Zero, what are you doing? Shang Tsung, holy shit! I better use my lightning to summon Cole Young. What an awful summon. Because Raiden does use his lightning to summon Cole back to the temple. Like, if you have the power to summon, why not summon like Odin or Bahamut? Yes, that's a Final Fantasy joke. Yes, I'm leaving it in. Cole does arrive, thanks to the power of teleportation. Shang Tsung's like, oh shit, it's Cole, we better run. Eh. No, I'm just kidding. 
Uh, Shang Tsung's all like, all right, uh, it's time to kill Ko Young and end the fucking prophecy that Scorpion's bloodline will, will save Earthrealm. Because that was the prophecy on the fucking scroll, if you don't remember. But upon seeing that Shang Tsung has unlocked his arcana, Shang, excuse me, the Cole's unlocked his arcana, Shang Tsung's like, oh no, how is this even possible? Raiden reveals, ho ho ho! Ah, oh, that's right, Shang Tsung. Cole Young's found his arcana. See, my plan all along was to make him feel like a bitch, so he'd have to get in the big fight and get his arcana. I'm super smart. Even though I always lose at the casino, I always win in Mortal Kombat. The Hisashi bloodline is back, bitch. Hey, Sub-Zero, did you hear what I said? That's right. The Hisashi bloodline is back, bitch. Da you hate that guy, Sub-Zero. Don't think I didn't notice when I said his name. You kind of looked all angry. Uh, Raiden tries to teleport all of Earthrealm's warriors away, but Sub-Zero shoots some ice at Cole upon realizing that Cole Young is now his arch nemesis. Uh, Cole gets blasted out of teleportation range. Kung Lao lunges to save him. And uh-oh. It's just Kung Lao and Cole Young. Kung Lao gets taken by Shang Tsung. And we get the classic, Your soul is mine. Cabal has Luke Kang and he's like, Hey bro, look, it's gonna be a soul suck. That's my favorite part when the soul comes out of the body and it's like, Reminds me of eating one of those Stugas sandwiches with some meatballs. Those green souls, they look like meatballs, Liu Kang. I'm from Brooklyn, in case you didn't remember. We get lots of slow motion yelling as Liu Kang's like, But Kung Lao is dead. The soul is sucked. Raiden comes back and teleports everybody that he missed. Unbelievable moment. As Cole Young is being teleported away by the lightning special effects, Kung Lao, Kung Lao's hat, fucking gains sentience and rushes towards the lightning to get teleported away with Cole Young. What? Now look, I'm. We've had Brooklyn accent Rico, casino addicted Raiden, fucking Poochie Cole Young. If we're adding a sentient hat to the mix, I'm here for it. But the hat sentience just fades away. It's only here so Luke Kang can hold it and cry. But why? How does the hat return? Raiden warps us to a dimension called the Void. Which is just the loading construct from the Matrix. And Cole's like, um, I have Kung Lao's hat for some reason. If anybody wants it, Lou's like, give me that. He starts crying. Uh, Raiden's like, well, folks, we might be fucked at Mortal Kombat, but I've got one sneaky idea up my sleeve. Cole, take this hookshot knife thing. It has your ancestor's blood on it. That might come in, that might come in pretty useful if you ever get trapped at the end with Sub-Zero. It's okay, I've got the plan, Cole. Just take it. Don't touch the blood, though. Yeah, it's creepy and gross, but take it. Why do I have it? Don't worry about it. Upon gaining this hook, which is just Scorpion's hook, Cole's like, I've got an idea. Let's challenge Outworld to a tournament. Well, kind of. Raiden, you can make all the matches, right? Raiden's like, oh, Cole, I've been a bookie for 5,000 years. You know I can do this. But to be serious about it, this late in the game, Cole's plan is to teleport the generals of Outworld to a location, 
teleport an Earthrealm fighter there, and if we separate them, we can take them one-on-one. -on -one. So we get more cross-cut fighting. We'll go through it one at a time with the teleporting shenanigans. Rico and Jax are teleported to the Pit 2, I think, from Mortal Kombat 2. Uh, why does Jax fight Rico? Well, while they're in the void, Jax says, Jax says, quote, Give me Rico. I got a score to settle. The fight takes like two seconds. Jax does his head clap fatality. It's gross. There's blood everywhere. Jax spikes the camera, looks at his arms and says, Yep, these motherfuckers work. And that's an exit on Jax. Sonya fights Kano, even though, before the teleportation, Sonya's like, give me the bitch with the teeth. She doesn't, though. She gets Kano. <laughs> uh, they get warped, and they do battle at the uh, Trump compound, Sonya's house. Uh, in, the, in the fucking void, Cole Young says to Sonya, and I quote, he has a laser now. Watch out for it. I mean, I mean, we were there at dinner, Cole. We know! We know! She kills him. Uh, she throws pepper spray into his eye like it's her kiss of death fatality. And then she stabs him through the eye with the garden gnome that he spit on earlier. Obviously, she gets his dragon tattoo. Back in the construct, Cole's like, Luke Kang and I will take on Melina and Cabal. You know, because they're the only ones left. Uh, he says, we'll save Sub-Zero for last. All right, fine. Now, Melina versus Cole on paper doesn't make any sense. They don't have any sort of blood feud, but they both have weapons, so I guess that makes sense. Um, Melina and Cole's fight's actually not bad. We get lots of Melina teleporting around. Uh, Cabal shows up for one more blaze of glory. He's like, hey, Liu Kang. Hey, I didn't know we was in Chinatown. Ho, ho, ho. I'm just playing with you, Liu Kang. I like Chinatown. I got a dice game down there. Now hurry up. I got to go meet my cousin Louie. We're getting a sub down at the pastrami shop. Uh, Liu Kang bicycle kicks Cabal. And I'll give him a little credit. As he bicycle kicks him, he doesn't yell, but we do get the Mortal Kombat song going bum 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 with each kick. Cabal gets thrown into like a tar pit, and he's like, "Oh, geez, this is what I call a sticky situation." Liu Kang does his dragon fatality, but he doesn't turn into a dragon. He makes one out of fire that kind of eats Cabal, but it really burns him to death. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is pathetic. This reeks of a fucking test screening, okay? Because after Liu Kang kills Cabal, Cabal's corpse falls to the ground, and, and if you're really paying attention, you can tell that the film kind of slows down a little bit, like it's artificially slowed by the editor. And Liu Kang says, off-screen, fatality. Absolutely added in post, wasn't planned for, no shot of him saying it, just pathetic. Pathetic, pathetic. Uh... Sonya warps into the battle at the last second to save Cole. Because, yes, our hero Cole Young is about to get killed by Melina. Now, nothing against Melina. But she hasn't exactly shown herself to be a fucking Mortal Kombat powerhouse here. Sonya shoots her pink energy rings. It puts a pretty cool hole in Melina's torso, I'll say that. Uh, missed opportunity for Cole to spike the camera. Look at Sonya and go, hole in one? I got jokes, people. I'm Cole Young. But that's her arcana. So much for the Sub-Zero plan to fight him at the end with everybody against Sub-Zero. Sub-Zero kidnaps Cole's family, and he's like, Hey, Cole, I have your family. You want to teleport to my ice world? Cole's like, sure. 
So they actually they teleport to the MMA arena they were in earlier at the very beginning. Everything's frozen over. Cole's wife and daughter are trapped in ice, like just like uh, Scorpion's wife and son were. And uh, is it, folks? Our main event of the evening in the ice cage: Sub Zero versus Cole Young. Now, Cole's plot armor protects him from being frozen to death. So good on you, screenplay. He tries to use the hook, but it starts to burn his hand. Upon seeing the hook, Scorpion or Scorpion Sub Zero is all like the blade of Hanzo. Sub Zero is freaked out. He forms an ice sword, which is pretty cool. He goes to stab Cole Young, but at the very last second, a hook of a grappling nature penetrates Sub Zero's hand, and the music's like dun 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 New Cybot, Smoke, Cyrex, Sector, Shiva, Kung Lao, Mutaro, Goro, Kintaro, Striker, Shang Tsung, Johnny Cage, Melina, Kitana, Sector. Have I said him twice? Fuck, I think I said him twice. Well, I told myself I'd go as long as I could. And that's how far I got. But yes, the big reveal is Hanzo is back. He's in the full scorpion yellow ninja outfit regalia with the swords from Mortal Kombat 4, I think it is. It doesn't matter, but scorpion swords are an iconic part of his look now. So, I'll say this. He looks the part. Now... Everybody in the audience is standing up and cheering. We're so happy. We're getting what we paid for. And speaking of what we paid for, here it is, ladies and gentlemen. Scorpion has the hook in Sub-Zero's hand. He yells, Get over here! You know, Scorpion's patented, Get over here! I mean, that's what it sounds like in the movie. I get you paid for this expensive actor, okay? And in English might be a second language. Like, I'm not, I'm not shaming, like... That impression is not done to shame the man. Like, okay, I want to make that clear. But, just use the clip. I mean, we're here at the fucking video game movie. Just do it. Just do, get over here! I mean, just play the fucking sound clip from the game. Alright? This is not Christopher Nolan's Mortal Kombat. Uh, Speaking of uh, shoddy decisions, ladies and gentlemen, you might be wondering how Scorpion got here. I mean, sure, we saw flashes of him in the Nether Realm. The Nether Realm was briefly mentioned. But don't worry, Scorpion is here to tell us with subtitled dialogue, which is fine. I don't mind that's in subtitles. But, ladies and gentlemen, this is your explanation here in Christopher Nolan's Mortal Kombat. I have risen from hell to kill you. All right. You should have added in here, why I have waited to tell you until now, or waited to arise at this moment remains a mystery, as does how I have returned. Holy shit, is that Cole Young? Dude, you're Cole Young. Hey, will you come help me out, buddy? No, that's okay. You go save your family. I'll fight Sub-Zero. Now, we paid for it. We wanted it. Scorp and Sub have a decent fight. 
Okay, they get a decent back and forth with different people being in charge. It's it's fine, but honestly, guys, it, to, for me, it is way too little too late. All right? Eventually, Scorpion gets the upper hand. He rips his mask off and says, Remember this face? He puts his mask on and then says, Quote! Quote! I am Scorpion now! And, and then he adds... Uh, and somehow Palpatine has returned. There's your explanation. I am Scorpion now. Why? At least that shitty animated Mortal Kombat Origins movie gave him a reason to be called Scorpion. He was talking to his son about the Scorpion earlier. Fuck me. Have a Scorpion flag hanging from his compound at the beginning. Like, have it be the, sig- the, the symbol of his clan or his gang. I don't care. But that's it. Somehow Palpatine has returned, and I'm now known as Scorpion. Deal with it. Uh, Sub-Zero makes a pretty cool ice wall with some spikes on it that he throws Scorpion into. Not bad. We get lots of cool hook play with the grappling hook. You know, like I said, it's probably the best fight. Cole teams up with Scorpion, and it's maybe the most unearned thing in cinematic history. He shouldn't be here ruining our main event fight. They should have... You know what? Fucking off-the-wall fan theory here. How how about Sub-Zero kill... Or, uh... Like, Cole... How about Cole saves his family from the ice? And then Sub-Zero reveals he just let him save him so he could get the upper hand on him, and he kills him. And as he's dying, he grabs the hook. <clears throat> Excuse me. Maybe he gets teleported to another realm, and Scorpion's like, you know, your time is done, but I'm in hell because I choose to be. You don't want to be here. You know, give me your hand. And, and you know, Cole grabs him, and, and Scorpion rises up from hell, and, and Cole dies. And Scorpion's soul like takes over Cole's body and you've already got the yellow armor how about it morphs into Scorpion's suit like Reptile takes over that statue and it could be like Scorpion and he and he and he pops out and now Cole's dead Scorpion is in Mortal Kombat and all the sequels because he has Cole's body we don't have to worry about Cole anymore and you know what you can even add into Scorpion's character arc in the next ones that even though it would be fucking stupid to have Scorpion walking around with a wife and daughter maybe he just you know, protects him, or maybe that's his Achilles heel. I don't know. I don't know. But that came that up. I. <laughs> Anywho, um, Sub Zero starts to lose his mask. Like he takes his mask off, he's losing. He's about to die. Scorpion, not one to be shown up, takes off his mask, and I mean, you knew it was coming. He opens his mouth and spits fire onto Sub Zero and burns him to death. Now, Scorpion's. <clears throat> head kind of morphs into a skeleton face, but it's through CGI. It, just rip off the mask and have a fucking skeleton puppet be like, oh yeah! Just do it! And you know what, Scorp? If you had fire powers the whole time, why did you fight him for... His name's Sub-Zero! <laughs> oh well. Sub-Zero's dead. The family is safe. Scorpion's like, Cole Young, you're a pretty cool dude. Now I have to go now. My planet needs me. It just warps away. <laughs> all the good guys teleport in, and we're all smiles. The gang's all here, and Raiden's like, Well, folks, I got to be honest with you. I, I, I feel two ways about this outcome. Number one, I guess it's pretty cool that Earthrealm can continue on, uh, but even though we've got a pretty thin roster of Mortal Kombat fighters. But on the other hand, I made a pretty big bet with Jabba the Hutt that Earthrealm would lose. So holy shit, I got to disappear for like five years now. Why don't you go round up the rest of Earth's champions? And, and maybe, just maybe, we'll have a Mortal 
Combat 2. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to haul ass to Lollapalooza! And as a nice little stinger here, Cole Young retires from mixed martial arts and lets his old coach know that he's heading to Hollywood to find Johnny Cage. The credits hit, and finally, somebody yells, Mortal Kombat! And we end our scene. Is the movie junk? You know, there are elements to this that I appreciate. I appreciate them trying to do something with Mortal Kombat that is more than. I really do. But comparing this to the 1995 film, which is not like good, okay? But it's a pretty good adaptation of the Mortal Kombat video game. It is the Mortal Kombat video game, you know? If you would have just done that in 2021 with better special effects and a lot better fight choreography, maybe it could have had something. You know, I'm not a huge fan of The Last of Us. I respect it, like the show. I've never really played the game. That is the type of franchise that I feel like you can gussy up and shine up and make it Nolan-esque, and it'll work. We've seen that. It was a big success for HBO. Super Mario Brothers, massive success financially. I haven't seen it. But I've been told it's just the game come to life as a cartoon. I mean, that's what we're paying for. Just give us Mortal Kombat. I don't know. This is Nolan Kombat. That joke's done, if it was ever even funny. But I just, I don't know. I, It's junk. I was, I was on the fence about it, but this, it was not, I was, uh, this is only the second time I've seen it. The first time I was massively disappointed. This time, though, I guess I was able to point and laugh at it. So I guess if you were underwhelmed or angry at it the only time you've seen it, you know, it's an hour and a half. you got an hour and a half to kill and you want to watch something that you're comfortable with. You don't really want to pay attention. Oh, you can stick around and see how it does for you this time. But I'm, I'm done with it. I'm giving it junk and I don't care if Cody Rhodes plays Johnny Cage. I'm not. Ah, fuck. You know I'll see it. I will. I'm a fucking whore. Well, uh, speaking of whores, this is where I promote the new TNN podcast feed. It's good shit, pal. If you like Junk Man, don't forget to check out our last episode where we did Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. And if you laughed at my professional wrestling references, check out the shows where we talk about professional wrestling. But holy shit, I've got to go. I think I see Jabba the Hutt coming this way. And I'm into him for like 20 grand. I'm Johnny C. He's Lord Raiden. And the winner is you in Mortal Kombat. (laughs) 